uh, we, we, I'm, I'm, I'm a little off script tonight, so I'm not going to worry about uh, the next thing in Deuteronomy will be next Sunday night. Um, and we're just home people, but I have a, I always have a heart for prophecy. Oh, I'm always looking for, I'm probably biased in my, in my looking, but this is a, and my mind is just racing with possibilities over what's happening now in Israel. I was 16, when was that uh, six-day war? 67? Well, it was in 67. I was 16. I was, uh, huh? 67 and then the one in The Yom Kippur War was after that. So 67, I was spending a week, it was AEA. Nobody knows what AEA is, I don't guess now, but it was AEA week, and I was spending the week, I think it was AEA, it was some kind of holiday, anyway. Uh, my my buddy, my friend, my next door neighbor, and I were staying at Grandmother Collins's house in Paint Rock. Paint Rock has this high mountain, and it was right across the street and in the backyard of the person across the street from her, and it just went way way up. And all of my life, I had admired that mountain. So my friend's name was Kip. I said, Kip, let's go climb that mountain. And since, since Mama wasn't there to stop me, Grandmother didn't know. So we went over there and climbed that mountain. We found a pipe coming up out of the ground. And we followed that pipe up until it disappeared back into the mountain. I don't know. I guess it was their water supply or something. I don't know what it was. That was awful as hike. It took, it took us half a day to get up there. It was awful, the, the angle of climb and all. But it was during that week that um, the Six-Day War occurred, and I had great interest in it. My, my grandmother, surrounded by mountains, could only get one channel out of Huntsville. She couldn't get anything else. So we had to get all of our news out of, uh, I forgot what channel it was, uh, out of that particular uh, TV station. But I was just real interested in it uh, because I always knew that Israel was special to the Lord and followed it. Uh, and then the Yom Kippur War, which was 50 years ago this week. But I had never, I don't think even in the Six Day War, there were as many Israeli ca casualties as there are this time. This is just highly unusual for uh, this many Israelis to be killed, plus the humiliation of the uh, kidnapping and hostage taking. We happened to see, a, uh, on, I don't know if they've taken it down or not, but we happened to see some raw footage that people themselves had taken. It was unspeakable. Un it was unspeakable what they were doing uh, to the Israelis. They, they were, they were dragging, especially, they were especially after females, but they were dragging them off, uh, tying their hands behind them, zip tying their hands behind them, dragging them off, throwing them in the backs of trucks and throwing them in vans. And they just were everywhere. These, these uh, Hamas, I guess, 
were just, were, they were everywhere. Some of them had uniforms, military type uniforms, others just everyday kind of clothes. But uh, they, they had this attack where they came through and we heard these guys on Jewish television, we've been watching this on YouTube. Some of these, some of these people are high ranking government officials and military officials and they're, they are just astounded and just confounded as to how they could have poured over into Israel the way that they did, given the high-tech uh, things, the electronics and all that are in, in place there uh, to guard them. And then the layers of fences and walls that exist and they just, they just came through this, plus they came over it. They had this brilliant, really, they, they attacked with drones, um, which had to have been supplied by somebody else. I don't think the Palestinians can build their own drones. And then they had to be trained what to do with them, how to fly them, and how to fire bombs out of them, drop bombs or fire, fire missiles out of them. And there were all these, I forget, was it something like 13? There was a just fairly large number of Israeli outposts that had like, you know, dozens of Israeli soldiers at every one of them. There was, there was no resistance. It was just, it, it, it was just uh, strange. It was bizarre that these guys could come over. It was a well-orchestrated attack. The other side said that they'd been planning it for six months. And Israel, in my view, has one of the best uh, intelligence agencies in the world. And yet, apparently, they didn't know anything about this. And there were some of the terrorists already hiding inside Israel. And then these others came... They had bulldozers ready. They had all this stuff ready and they bulldozed two or three big holes and then they came through in, in these uh, vehicles, jeeps and, uh, and so forth. And then a, a, a large contingent of them came over in these glider, glide crafts. We, we know about these from Key West. You know, you get down there and you put an engine on the back of it kind of like a swamp boat or something, but then you put the glider, like a big kite, you put that on top of it, and you just take off and fly. And uh, I don't know how many, they're not licensed as a, like you'd have to have a pilot's license. And all along in Key West, I would see people riding those things. They would be like, you know, 100, 200 feet off the ground maybe. Um, but they'd go all over the place and have a big time. Now, uh, that these these uh, part of the attack was this large number of glider crafts, and they were they had mounted on the front of that glider craft machine guns. They were indiscriminately shooting and killing people, children, women didn't matter. The rockets they fired are. Random type rockets. They're not real high tech. In other words, they'll fire the rocket and it runs out of juice and it drops somewhere. Um, so it was, it was, it's a terrorist type of bomb. And then Hezbollah, another terrorist group, 
has much more sophisticated rockets and missiles that can pinpoint an attack. The fear is that Hezbollah is going to open up on a second front with more sophisticated weapons. This was the first wave and then more sophisticated. But something that really caught me, my attention was that this was a, now they apparently were pro-Israeli and I was watching the TV station on YouTube, but the writing, they were speaking in English, but the writing was in Arabic. It wasn't Hebrew, it was Arabic writing. So it was kind of interesting to watch this uh, TV station uh, and they were talking about the horrors that were falling on Israel just then. And one of the uh, anchor people said that the attack initiated from the north, although much of what's happened now is in the south. But Ezekiel says that when the time comes that the attack on Israel comes from the extreme north, from the uttermost parts of the north. One of the uh, officials, I guess it was a military guy, was saying that, you know, these Palestinians, these drones and the things they were using had to be supplied by most likely Russia. It was his surmise. And uh, they also, they couldn't just go out and fly those. You had to be, I guess you have to be a pilot to fly one because you're behind a TV screen, but you still are flying by flight rules. You know, you have to, the thing has lift and yaw and all that, just like a pilot would have to take, take care to note of and watch his instruments. And so somebody had been training these people on how to do all of this. And then a high-ranking military guy I was listening to this afternoon, he said, we were, they said, how could this happen? He said, we were overwhelmed. We didn't see it coming. Now then all these people, including civilians, they're saying, Why? We have the most sophisticated radar system and high-tech stuff, and we're supposed to know and detect anything that happens out there. How is it, how is it that nobody, even the Israeli soldiers who were there on the outposts, apparently didn't, if they offered any resistance, it was very little, and several of them were killed in the attack, and it was just all of a sudden happened. So they take these outlying villages. It's just like the Assyrians used to do to the northern kingdom, and even, even as uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar did to the southern kingdom later, they would go to the weak places first and get a foothold and take hostages, and, and, uh, and then they would move in from there. So one of these guys, one of these, uh, I guess a military guy, he had a uniform on, was saying that, you know, what happens if this opens up on another front? He said, we're having to prepare now so that some of our forces are preparing for an opening on a second front while the masses of our soldiers are going in and we're going to have to go house to house, block by block, and we're going to have to take everything so that we can find and discover the hostages and hopefully they're still alive, get them released, and then take back some of Israeli territory that right now is in the hands of, of even now. Uh, where there's, uh, that guy said he was five hours ago, the report, he said, there's still active fighting on Israeli territory in villages that right now don't belong to us. They, they were taken over by terrorists. Now, 
the question that I have is in my heart, is this a precursor to the Ezekiel war? The Ezekiel war where Gog and the land of Magog and Meshach and Tubal and Persia, which is Iran, uh, Togarma, which is Turkey, um, will, will sweep down and they come from the north. And then the other more uh, lesser, I guess, confederation of, of nations come against Israel. And God himself intervenes and stops it. And five out of every six of the enemy dies. And it's a bloodbath. And the Israelis will spend, according to Ezekiel, they'll spend seven, uh, seven months burying the dead. And they will take the armaments that uh, were left, which I guess would be wrecked jets and tanks. I don't know. And uh, they will burn them as fuel for seven years which leads conservative scholars to think that this would be this would be something that they would use for the duration of the tribulation and this there's heavy agreement on how the great Ezekiel war is tied to the tribulation um and it then you go back over to Daniel Imagine this scenario. This is, one, this is one way to see how the Ezekiel War works out. Overwhelming force. Uh, there is no United States of America, apparently, involved in it. So either we're scared or don't have it or we got wiped out. I don't know. Or maybe the rapture occurs right at that time and there, there is such a vacuum of leadership and rational thinking people that nobody knows what to do. And there's mass confusion. Maybe that, I hope that's the case. Um, but uh, you don't think there's mass confusion right now? <laughs> um, well, I'll say this. Bewildered and confused leadership of a nation is a sign of judgment. He takes their thoughts away from them. And they don't know what they're thinking. Their eyes roll back in their heads and their tongues stick to the roof of their mouths and they are like fools. They don't know what to do. Sounds familiar to me. Um, this, this great force then comes on Israel. We've talked about this many times I have since I've been here. And it seems as though Israel is helpless. And you know, I've never seen Israel as helpless as they are right now. They're confused they're, they're baffled. You know, this wasn't supposed to happen to us, not ever. And they've lost hundreds of people, maybe even a thousand or more. As one guy said, one of the officials said that we heard this afternoon, he said could, it could get a thousand or more. Right now they know of 700 plus, I think, deaths and something like 2,000 uh, people captured as, uh, uh, as hostages. And this kind of thing has just never happened. Was it the raid on Entebbe many, many years ago when they took uh, Jews as captive, some airport somewhere? And uh, I think Netanyahu, was, it was his brother who got killed in that, in that raid on Entebbe where this, this special force of, of, uh, of Israeli army guys went in highly trained and they killed all the terrorists and got their people back. At an airport somewhere in Africa, I think some in Tebby. 
Where? In Tebe? Was that in Africa? I think it was. Hmm? Pardon? Uganda. Okay. Oh, that was the guy. He was the president that ate people. The cannibal guy. Who? Idi Amin. Idi Amin. So the, the situation that exists right now, there's going to be a lot of accusations. I even heard it some today. There was one guy who has a podcast, and he happened to be in Italy visiting relatives, I guess for this Jewish holiday, but he was going to spend the Jewish holiday with his relatives in Italy, and he's there, been there for a while, and now all this happens and I guess he can't get back, and he does his podcast, whatever, from this home in Italy, some small town in Italy. He's speaking in English, and you know he's beginning to say, "How did this happen? Who? How did the government let this? How did military? How did this happen? This is not right. We don't ever have to worry about something like this." Then the military official said the same thing: "Something's wrong. Something's not right here. That everything just sort of." drops its guard at the same time and they come from various positions at the same time and overwhelm us and then take our people. Um, Of course, Israel is massing their troops. They're going to go into Gaza. It'll have to be a boots on the ground kind of a thing. It'll have to be door to door um, and there'll still be more casualties. That's, That's an awful, awful way to have to wage war is to go door to door like that. Um, all that said, Israel in a state of confusion, sort of, sort of in a state of confusion. If you if you ever follow Israel, you you would note that uh, Netanyahu has faced the same kind of problems that that sort of like Trump has faced in that the policies. His policies deeply divided the nation. And one of his policies was to uh, restructure the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court in Israel, I haven't done that much study on it, but they had, they had a, an, an immense and excessive amount of power uh, where they didn't have the checks and balances there like we do here. So there was a, among the conservative groups of polit- polit- politicians, there was a an outcry for, and from among the people, to uh, restructure and to and to rebuild the court system in a different way. That'd be in what they thought was a more fair way. Now I'm not there. I, I don't. I haven't even read their system. I don't know about. I just know what was said. So Israel has been in a deep political divide. There have been protests and there have been marches and really unstable. You don't get a lot of it on. Western news, and that's one thing that a woman was saying, one of the news anchors tonight. She said, Here's the problem. Because what was happening was, what was coming out was, so Israel is bombing Gaza, right? Gaza. They're, they're, they're bombing the mess out of that place. These big high rise apartments, they're just collapsing. All the, they, showed, they showed a main street that was just filled with rubble and this pile and stacks of buildings that had collapsed through. Well, Israel had issued a warning for people to get out of there because we're coming in. 
and we're going to stop whatever's happening there. We're going to find the leaders and find the places where they're firing these rockets, and we're going to destroy it all. They told, but the news, the newscast that I saw today was coming out of some part of the world over there, and the only thing they showed were these suffering Palestinians. Somebody stayed in their apartment, and a family of five was killed, just mashed, pulverized, squashed. And they, did, they didn't move. They refused to move. And people were going down crying. They were, they were displaced out of their homes. And one guy, the ambulance came to get him. And then to tear your heartstrings, he was holding his dead child, about a three-year-old kid. And he was kissing and kept kid and crying. And he had a horrible wound on, a wound on his arm. And so how, how sympathetic would you be with people like that? And this woman said, but what they're not showing is what happened to Israel the day before. We saw some of this where they were dragging young women out and, you know, they were doing bad things to them. Uh, and humiliating them and then dragging them away and throwing them, I saw this, throwing them in the back of a truck or in the back of a, a van. And, these, and one guy said that he recognized his daughter. They were having some kind of youth event there close to the border. And a lot of those young people were either killed or taken hostage, uh, especially the females. And he said that he recognized his daughter stacked up with other bodies in the back of a truck because he recognized his daughter's tattoos that she had and they were positioned as same tattoos. And he said I, he was crying and carrying on an Israeli guy and he didn't know if she was dead or alive. He couldn't tell. And, and he was really crying that, that she would be found alive. He didn't know. He couldn't tell. It was just a fleeting, a fleeting TV shot or a camera that took it. So this, uh, this, this issue that's happening now, in my view, could really expand to the place that would introduce the Gog and Magog, the Ezekiel War, um, for a lot of reasons. I mean, the, the world is sort of ripe for this kind of thing right now. I don't think there's any leadership in, uh, in America that's going to go to war for somebody else. Now there's a big movement, as a matter of fact, to, to stop what we're doing in Ukraine and we're just tired of wars and we're tired of fighting and we're tired of all this, that, and the other. You know, I've, I've heard them say that on the, when, they, when they dismembered or dis, not dismembered, but disbarred or whatever they did to the, the McCarthy guy or oh, vacated his seat or something. So there's, there's, there's a lot of anger. Uh, the world is ripe for a vacuum to be created with regard to the leadership of our nation, which would invite uh, a strike upon Israel. And I'm watching with great interest uh, to, see, to see how this moves along because I've been noting in the last two years that... Uh, the big three, Russia, Turkey, and Iran, have really tightened up their, their relationship. 
And uh, I think Turkey was providing, somebody could correct me if I'm wrong, I'm trying to draw on my memory here now. Turkey was providing drones. They have a fairly f uh, sophisticated drone that they've invented or created or built, whatever. They were providing those for Russia to use in the Ukraine. Um, Iran, we just gave Iran a bunch of money so that they can <laughs> build guns and shoot us. Uh, uh, and so everything is just going along like this. And no wonder we're told in the psalm, the psalmist said, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Some of the reports say what they're after is the crown jewel. These people that invaded Israel, they are after Jerusalem. They want Jerusalem. That's what they want. They'll do whatever they have to do to get Jerusalem. There'll never be peace in Jerusalem until the Prince of Peace is enthroned uh, there in Jerusalem, and that would be in the Millennial Kingdom, which may not be that far away. We may be a little more than seven years away from seeing Christ on the throne in Jerusalem, but oh, what the world has to pass through from this point to that point for the Lord to be established on that throne. So I thought this would be a good time. I didn't know we were going to be broadcasting and all. I just thought I'd have a little ad lib here tonight and uh, in, invite any kind of comment that anybody wants to make. Uh, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Well, um, the Feast of Tabernacles is a happy thing. It's kind of like all the Jews going on camping trips, RVs, you know, whatever. That's, but you go back to the time of tents. Well, it was, it was also a time when the guard was let down because it was, it was a combination of a couple of holy days where everybody, and that's why those young people were having this big, big event. They were dancing around and having a big time laughing and all. It was a, it was a happy time for the Jews and it would be, it's just like the, uh, the, the Yom Kippur war. It's this, it's the time of year where on the Jewish calendar, uh, they wouldn't be thinking of war. They would be thinking of happy things and, and all it's the end of the Torah, which means the Jews, they have a calendar. They read the Torah in a, in a progression so that they come to the end of the first five books, the five books of Moses, first five books of the Bible. They get, then this is the end of it. They celebrate in the end of, and then when they get through, they'll start back and start with the first and start reading the Torah again. So um, if anything has to do with the rapture of the church, in my view, it would be Rosh Hashanah, which we just passed by, what, three weeks now, two weeks? Um, so in a, in a practical sense, it was a good time for the enemies of Israel to attack, just like it was in Yom Kippur time, uh, to attack because they really, they really had their minds on having a good time and how they had been delivered and all this kind of thing out of bondage and their history and all. 
uh, which would obviously make it a good time to attack them. So somehow the divine hand, however, blinded Israel for this space of time for these people to have invaded. I mean, you know, it, it could be some sort of treason or conspiracy and high-ranking people in, in their, I don't know, in their armed forces. But to... Well, you think about it. Um, I've read a lot of stuff. I've read where you take it with a grain of salt, but just just to prick your minds for thought. Most of these big containers, as I understand it, that come in on these ships, you know, people are making houses out of those big shipping container things. Most of those containers don't get checked. Am I right? You can tell. Okay. They don't get checked. They just come in and whatever's there gets sent somewhere. And I've been, I've been read, I've been reading that uh, there could be, you know, there could be uh, short-range nuclear missiles by the Chinese, and then coming in from the south, going everywhere, infiltrating in pockets of pockets of uh, of terrorists, just waiting for the signal to go, and 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 I don't, you know, I don't know, I don't. But if it happened to Israel, and, and they're pretty sharp and they're a lot more, they, they guard their border a lot better than we guard ours. And if it can happen there, you know, that's, it, when you have millions of people poor and they're undocumented and they're coming from places that really don't like you, that can't be good. I mean, you know, they're not really coming here to look for a job, I don't think. Most of them, maybe some of them are. That's just an opinion. Um, yeah. Please don't tell me that Auburn was on the light side. <laughs> I, 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 how could I help but say that? <laughs> how dare they? It's a
resisting them, probably because we've got lots of guns and stuff. We have the Second Amendment. We have the Black Rifle. So, huh? Don't get me started. I'm a preacher and I'm online. Huh? Was it Charlton Heston who said, from my cold, dead hand? Uh, well, that's, you know, I read um, an article, might have been an NRA magazine, some years back where the Japanese in World War II flirted with invading on the West Coast. But then they were reminded by their high-ranking general, we're, we're going to face, we're going to face like 20 million sharpshooters here. They, all they do is go hunting, you know, and uh, they, got, they stay zeroed in all the time. So how are you going to deal with that? Well, I don't know. Uh, I think the Lord's about to come back. It's, it's, it's an, that would be an awful, confused world. The world, does, the, the Bible does say when um, um, the, the four horsemen, the red horse, the horse of war, the Hromphia and the Makaya, the two different swords that are drawn in a time of, of world revolution, which doesn't last apparently, but for just a brief while. But the Hromphia, the, one of them is the common man's dagger which would be the weapon that a guy kept at his house. The, the other one is the sword of a soldier. And one, it's, it's as though one of those was drawn against the other, uh, which is an interesting read in uh, the book of the Revelation and the study in the four horsemen of the apocalypse, first four seals um, that are broken in the Revelation. And I don't know, people... We, we, we should always live our lives as though the Lord could come just now. But it's just really hard. You know, God, to paraphrase several passages and put them together, God invites humanity to prove that he is God by just watching Israel. Just watch Israel. Of all of the attempts that have been made since before Christ to destroy Israel, it's never worked. It's, it doesn't, the God's not going to let it work. And I think I read somewhere there are only, in the world, there are only 14 million Jews right now. I think I read that right. Uh, in the, the second largest concentration of Jewish people is in New York City. It was back then. That was some years ago when I read this article. Uh, but the, the, the greatest concentration, of course, was in Israel. But... Uh, this, that's, that's a fairly small population, if you think about it, against the backdrop of the world and against the backdrop of the superpowers. What, more than a billion people in China? Um, and the people that would seek the destruction of Israel, and, and there are 400 million Arabs who seek that they openly swear to the destruction of Israel. And it's, 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 it's never, it's never happened. It's not going to happen now, but, but God, the sovereign Lord, I could see how he orchestrates this thing to thus bring a triad of very strong nations against Israel 
from the north uh, in an overwhelming fashion. You know, Ezekiel says the sky becomes black. Well, what is that? Drones? Is that jets? I don't know what it is. Uh, but it doesn't matter. They all are knocked down and they're, the whole thing collapses and there's colossal failure. And at that failure, the, this uh, prince comes out of nowhere, according to Daniel, and he establishes. So at that point, the Arabs, at the, at the conclusion, at the conclusion of the very brief Ezekiel War, the Arabs will have been utterly decimated such that they become an insignificant thing in the world. And Israel gets the Temple Mount back because they build a third temple in the tribulation. And so for this brief space of time, the world admires Israel because Ezekiel says when all of this happened, all of this happens and this enemy of Israel is just defeated in mass all at once, obviously by divine power. The world asks and Ezekiel points it out, is this that which the prophet has spoken? So people be asking, is this, is this what Ezekiel was saying? Is this what has happened? Here comes a guy out of nowhere who says, here's how we're going to settle the world down. I have a seven-year plan here. We're going to let the Jews have their, have their place on that, on, that, on that ridge there and give them their temple. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pacify them. And then we're going to concentrate political power in a revived Roman Empire in Europe, whatever. And then we're going to tell everybody just to chill. Seven years. Don't do anything. Just, we're going to go for seven years. Well, then he rises to power. And in the middle of that seven years, he breaks his word. And he goes down and sets himself up as God, the abomination of desolation. In that temple that, that the Jew is allowed to rebuild. And then they'll begin to realize they followed the wrong Messiah. They followed the wrong Savior. Jesus even said, I come in my name and you don't accept me, but another comes in his name, you'll accept him. So he came in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They rejected him. This other guy comes in his own name. They adore him and they accept him. And he lets them reestablish temple worship only for them to be humiliated. And even to the point that, uh, according to Zechariah, the forces of Antichrist come into Israel to crush everybody. If we think this door-to-door thing and this invasion of Israeli villages was bad, Zechariah talks about how the forces of Antichrist are going from door to door. They're killing Jews and ravaging uh, w- ravishing women, women and uh, humiliating. And it's then when they cry out to the one whom they pierced. That's what Zechariah, they shall look upon. They will behold, look upon with discernment. They will look upon the one whom they pierced. And that's when they found, that's when they are saved. Not until they look upon him, but it's just then they'll realize they've been chasing the wrong thing for all of their history. 
And then all of Israel is saved and Christ returns in power and glory. This is the second coming of Christ when he returns with his saints and his angels. Uh, right to Armageddon, which is not really, a, not even a skirmish. It's just sort of a stepping on a roach bug in the night or something. Um, and then the millennium, and there's a, a, what is it, 90, no, 45 days? There's a period of time. There's a space of time there that Daniel mentions that evidently is the setting up of the administration of the kingdom of God in the world. And then the nations are divided according to the purpose, will, and word of God. Christ does this. There are kings, but he is the king of kings, and they will have to honor and worship him, and they will bring the glory of their nation into the nation of Israel to the Lord Christ, the great king, at the appointed times during the year. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we may not be that far from that because of what's happening in Israel today. Uh, so anyway, that was ad lib. And uh, we can be done. I'll, I'll, yes. No, China is actually found in the book of the Revelation. And it is when the kings of the east are stirred. And the, the Euphrates River dries up. And they have a straight path to march their soldiers, I guess, toward Armageddon. Uh, either to join, to join the opposition of the fight of the returning Christ or to wipe out that bunch. I don't know. Uh, they don't get very far with it, though. But that's... Uh, now, the kings of the east, there's something said about that. And you can look at Daniel 2. Daniel also, not Daniel chapter 2, but you can also look at Daniel. And he mentions, he mentions these kings at the, at the end of the age. And you have to put all this together and you sort of get a kind of a, a look at what's going on. So much, you just have to be there to see what it really means. But these things are a great comfort to those who are in the tribulation. Because they will see it firsthand and they'll know exactly what this imagery and what all this means. Uh, this is exactly what then they'll be. The Holy Spirit will make them understand uh, what is happening in the world. But, uh, you know, China prophetically might be used of God to to negate the power of the United States. I don't I don't know that. I, mean, I don't know. The only place we I think we kind of studied this in Tennessee um, but uh, the only place they're really mentioned is, is, in, uh, is in the book of the Revelation. So it's, a, it's an interesting world, but, you know, the church has no fear. Uh, we, don't, we, we, we love to see the word of God worked out and the power of God asserted among men. Um, and uh, it's, it, you know, it'll go along just like God says, regardless. But I can see, really, I can see how what is happening right now, and it may take a year or two, but I can see what is happening right now would lead to the Ezekiel War. Gog, Magog, Togermah, Meshach, Tubal, so forth, Persia. Uh, and interesting 
interestingly, uh, Sheba and Dedan. Now, those were two sons of Abraham by his wife, Keturah. After Sarah died, he took another wife, Keturah. There's a lot. Of, I did a study on that not long ago, and some people think that Keturah was one of his concubines. I'm not sure that the Bible tells us that Abraham had concubines. I know that he had Hagar. Um, but uh, he, he took Keturah, and she had a bunch of kids by Abraham, that salty old dog. And uh, when he's dying, he tells all of Keturah's sons, you can have all of the land east of Isaac, but Isaac gets the land of promise. Now, that would have been where Saudi Arabia is now. And Saudi Arabia is Sheba and Dedan. And they protest. They are not part of the attack on Israel. And they offer a word of protest, protest to it. Uh, have you come to take a spoil? They sort of object to what's happening. They don't know anything about it. <laughs> but they object to it. And that's Saudi Arabia. Interestingly, Saudi Arabia has warmed its relationship recently. I don't know how it is now with this stuff going on. But recently with Israel. And um, also because they're not real fond of Iran right now, Persia, either. So um, you can see how these things are just coming into, coming into play. All right, let's pray. We'll be through. Thank you all for listening. Father God in heaven, Lord, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the return of Christ, our Lord. We pray, O oh God, that very soon he will catch us away from this mess that the world is plunging into. And that we'll be together with him. And in his great return, we will be those who come back with him in power and glory. We pray, O oh God, of course, for the divine protection of Israel. And that the world will see your purpose working itself out because we know this is why you have preserved Israel so that the world may know that you are God. Thank you for how you've called us into your service and we pray that you'll use us for your glory. We ask all of this and pray in Jesus' name, amen.